Declan Rice to return to London Stadium for the first time since his £100 million move to Arsenal. The Gunners take on Moyes' boys in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday night. We preview that clash here on another episode of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. It's the Big Match Preview. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live episode of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. It's the big match preview here as we look ahead to, yep, another game for the Arsenal. The games are coming thick and fast at the moment. The Gunners have only just recovered from that victory over Sheffield United at the weekend, but they have to very quickly turn their attentions to the London Stadium where they face Declan Rice's former club, West Ham United, hoping for a place in the next round of the League Cup. I, I always call it the Carabao Cup. And then what happens is, so I finally get used to calling it by its sponsor name, and then it will change. And then I'll still call it by the previous one. So I think what I'm going to do from now on is just call it the League Cup. I think that's the safest way, right? Um, <laughs> I think that's the best way to go. Big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat at the moment. I hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday so far. Um, before we start, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody that tuned into yesterday's episode. It was the first episode of The Debrief, which is a brand new content strand here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Um, got lots and lots of feedback, lots of positive feedback, which I'm delighted about. Um, got a, uh, a few bits of feedback that I think are very, very valid and things that I'll definitely be taking into consideration and uh, moving forward. Uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to implementing some of those ideas because they're really good ideas. And I thank you guys uh, for them. And a couple of bits and pieces about what we need to do better, which I'm definitely keen to hear. Because at the end of the day, if you guys don't like it, if you guys aren't interested, what's the point? Um, so uh, yeah, always uh, lovely to hear from you guys. And thank you for that. Uh, it is uh, very, very much appreciated. I feel like though, when we're going into these discussions, in the lead up, in the build up to League Cup games, I have to always caveat the conversation with this. I don't actually really care all that much about this competition. And I know that sounds wild, right? Because as I said to you guys, I think it was yesterday when we were talking about, um, you know, the, the preview show that was coming around this game. I think I said something along the lines of, this is at the bottom of my priority list. And it really, really is. But that doesn't mean that, I wouldn't like to see us progress. Of course I would. Of course I'd like to see Arsenal go on and lift this trophy because for me, as I've mentioned to you guys previously, I don't remember the last time Arsenal won this, won this competition. I was three years old. I didn't know what football was at that point, let alone um, be in a position to enjoy it, to take it all in. So it is one of the collection in terms of the domestic trophies that I haven't seen Arsenal lift, that I don't remember Arsenal lifting. So in that sense, and, and looking at it through that lens, I'd quite like to see us go on and win this competition. And, you know, when you think about the fact that Pep Guardiola is, you know, the one that Mikel Arteta models himself on, and you think about how seriously he's taken this competition over the years, you start to think that maybe there's a good reason for that. And I know that you have to have the squad to be able to do it. And I would still argue that our squad is not quite as deep as Manchester City's has been over the years in terms of its overall quality. I think numbers-wise, we're pretty much there now. But there's still a few players in the group that you look at and you think, bit of a drop-off here, not good enough to play top, top level week in, week out, good enough to be a squad player, happy enough to play that role within this setup and within this team and all the rest of it. But, you know, do we have 
two teams essentially of similar caliber that could go out and split the games. We don't. Manchester City, I would argue, in years gone by have had that and have been able to focus on the Carabao Cup as a result or the League Cup, as I should be calling it now moving forward. The point I'm trying to make here is that if you can win it, if you've got the resources to win it, I think it's a really, really big confidence boost that you could potentially give your players and your group as early as February. It's like getting the first one under your belt. It's, you know, Jose Mourinho used to um, talk about it in that light. Pep Guardiola um, approaches the competition in a similar way. And when you think about the fact that those are two of the most successful managers the Premier League has ever seen, they've got to be doing something right. There's got to be good reason for that. And so maybe I should care about this competition a little bit more. Maybe I should sort of pay more attention to it. Look, I think there's an a lot of luck that you need in this competition with regards to the draws. And we know that Man City over the years have always had that without wanting to sound bitter or salty or anything like that. The problem is with Arsenal is that we always seem to get these really, really difficult draws. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, it could have been worse. It, it could have been a lot worse. But when you look at, for example, you know, some of the other ties in this round, let's let's go on to tomorrow's fixtures and have a look, right? So AFC Bournemouth. Bournemouth away would have been much easier than West Ham away. Blackburn Rovers are in the competition. Burnley, who have been dreadful this season, are in the competition. Ipswich Town, who have done very, very well in the championship, but ultimately are still a championship side, are in the competition. You know, then you take it to, um, you know, some of the games uh, that are taking place tonight in the fourth round. Exeter City against Middlesbrough. Mansfield Town against Port Vale. Like, you know, these are games that you would quite like to have. And if you have those games, then you've got every reason to believe that you can go on to the next phase and the next phase and the next phase and keep pushing and keep building and eventually get yourself to a point where you're one or two games away from, you know, winning a trophy. And in that sense, you then get to a place, don't you, where you think actually it's worthwhile playing my best players and my best team and all the rest of it. So it's a little bit unfortunate on our part. You know, last year we came unstuck against Liverpool in the competition um, you know, you look at it this year and, you know, we've already been away to Brentford to Premier League opposition. We're now going away to the Europa Conference League holders to a West Ham United side who we're going to come on to talk about in a little bit can blow hot and cold. It's it's kind of a bit of a, I don't know, it's, it's, it's just a bit annoying that we always end up with these draws that mean that we have to exert more effort than other teams would in order to get to the latter stages of this competition. And then you have to start to weigh up whether it's worth that investment. You know, it's, yeah, it's a hard one. It really, really is. Um, big hello to everybody joining us in the chat. Really, really do uh, appreciate you being alongside me. If you're watching us live or if you're listening to this back, uh, a big hello to you. Big thank you to uh, Junior Gunner for your very, very kind uh, super chat donation, um, mate. Thank you so, so much. And thank you for always being here. Uh, it is very much appreciated. What I want to start off by doing ahead of this game and I'll break it down for you in terms of how this episode is going to run. We are going to uh, reflect on Mikel Arteta's press conference, which he gave to the media earlier today. Uh, we are going to look into the opposition in a little bit more detail. We're going to discuss the team selection to rotate or not to rotate. And if so, how heavily should Mikel Arteta be looking to rotate? Then we're going to share some predictions as well as taking some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat box. So um, make sure you stay with us. Um, should be an interesting episode because I've sort of been sitting there all morning trying to figure out 
in my own head how I think this is going to go, trying to figure out in my own head what what is a strong enough team to go and get the job done and how do we balance that with the need to rotate and the need to protect certain players? Because, you know, if we if the fixtures were the other way around, so if this game came in the lead up to Sheffield United at home, I'd look at it very, very differently. But this game comes in the lead up to Newcastle United away on Saturday. And that makes me look at this game in a different light. Now, I know I've just said that the competition could be a great boost and can be a huge, um, you know, advantage if you can go far in it or, or if you can go on and win it because of the confidence boost it gives you, etc. But then you got to weigh up that importance and the chances of you actually going all the way to the risk that you're taking by then perhaps depleting your side ahead of a trip to Newcastle, which could be massive in the context of the Premier League over the duration of the season. This is where it becomes like really, really difficult. And I do not envy any manager um, in this position. I, I really, really don't. Uh, big thank you to Junior Gunner again. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really uh, do appreciate it. OK, let's um, start off then by uh, discussing Mikel Arteta's press conference. We'll do that in just a second. Don't go anywhere. Right. Mikel Arteta has been speaking ahead of this one. In fact, rather than just read you the quotes, I think I'm going to bring them up on the screen as well for those of you watching on YouTube so that you can follow along. I'm not going to go through every single point that Mikel Arteta made. I'm sure lots of you have seen it. I'm sure lots of you have read the transcript, but there is a few bits uh, that I just want to kind of highlight and share with you. So if I just share my screen, bear with me uh, a second. Where is it? Here we go. Every word Mikel Arteta had to say. And this was done by our good friend Tom Canton um, over on the football.london website. Right. So um, one of the questions was, uh, is Newcastle uh, on your mind despite this game coming first? Or I think it was more like, how much is the Newcastle game on your mind? And Mikel Arteta um said nothing. It's not on my mind. You know, we have to beat West Ham. It's a competition that we have a good chance uh, to progress in and win a trophy. And so our mindset has to be focused on West Ham. Um, he was asked if it's a big opportunity with the likes of Man City dropping out. Of course, they were beaten by Newcastle in the last round. He says, what, what we are doing, what we are doing, being consistent and playing better than the opponent and tomorrow against West Ham, it's going to be a tough game. Um, he was asked if it was similar to the Brentford game. He said the context is a little bit different because we picked up some injuries and we don't have so much availability in terms of the squad, but we prepare the game the same way and we will try and win it. Now, the question that everybody's kind of wondering is with regards to Declan Rice, who, as I mentioned right at the top of the programme there, will be returning to his old side. He said um, he's likely, and that's to play, you know, to be involved. Um, it would be his first time back there at his old club and a beautiful moment for him. I think it's beautiful. I had the experience of doing it a few times and then you really see what they think of you and what kind of legacy, I guess he's trying to say, you left at that club. It's a really good way to measure your experience and the reality of your reality with the people who shared those moments with you. Bit bit cryptic, that message. Um, he was asked what type of uh, reception he expects Declan Rice to get. And we'll, again, we'll discuss this a little bit later on because I'm intrigued by this. He says, I would expect him to get a, a positive one. Um, especially because every time you hear him talk about West Ham and what they did for him, everybody at the club, he could not speak more highly of them. Hopefully it'll be the same way towards him. Um, there were some other questions. Uh, you know, does uh, Eddie and Ketia continue? Um, 
you know, or do we rest him because of the injury problems that we've got up front at this moment in time? Uh, Mikel said we have to be conscious with the amount of minutes uh, that these players play. He started a lot of games uh, in the Premier League, but in terms of how we've utilised him, I think he's fresh, he's in a good moment. And when players are like this, they have to be used, whether that's from the start or the bench, we will see. Um, he was asked whether it's another opportunity to rest Martin Odegaard. We heard he's got a bit of a hip problem uh, just the other day. Mikel said we rested him the other day. And now it's about how long we rest him and how we manage the minutes and the rhythm that he needs to be at his best. We had the opportunity to do it at the weekend. We didn't use him in the end. And so that was a good offload for him. And then we were talking about, or they were talking about, you know, players having niggles and how it's impossible not to have any niggles at this level of football, how it's impossible to be 100% all the time when you basically play a game every three days, which I thought was a valid point. Um, there was a question asked about Gabriel Jesus, uh, because, of course, he is sidelined at the moment. There was a question asked around the time frame with regards to when he's expected to return. And Mikel said with him, I'm not going to put any time frame because I did it once and I got it totally wrong. We need to be cautious because we need to treat him in the right way. But he's already pushing everybody. He wants to be back as quickly as possible and we need him. So that is great. Um, there was some talk about the midfield squad building, the future um, of that. Um, one of the questions uh, was with regards to Thomas Partey. Uh, Mikel Arteta said in his press conference ahead of the Sheffield United game that he didn't really know how long he was going to be out for and he didn't really understand fully the extent of the injury at that point. Um, and so he was asked, you know, is there an update on that? And he said, I think he will be out for weeks. I don't know how long, but he's got another appointment today and we will know more after that. And then there was the question put to him, which I thought was a good question. Is there a wider concern about his injury record since he's had spells in and out of the team? And Arteta said, yes, it's a big concern because when Thomas is fit and available, he's been part of the team we have seen uh, what the results and the impact is that he has on this team. This season, we have more protection, especially for that reason as well, because we know in the past two seasons what has happened and the impact that it had when he wasn't there. So we had to address that. And now it's happened and it happens in football. He says, I'm sorry for him because I think he's doing every single thing that he can do right to be there. He was gutted. We are all here for him. He needs to lift himself up again and with our support, go again because he's a player that is critical for us. So Mikel Arteta kind of sharing our concerns as fans with regards to Thomas Partey's fitness. I do feel like we're getting to the point where we're probably going to have to think about replacing him in the summer. I, you know, if an opportunity comes up in January, by all means, go out and make it happen. But these bigger signings, and I assume that replacing Thomas Partey will need to be a bigger signing, tend to happen, don't they, in the summer windows uh, more than uh, at any other point. So, yeah, um, for me, I think this is one that we're probably going to have to wait until the summer for. But those were the kind of key points from Mikel Arteta's press conference. Remember, you can go on YouTube and you can watch it in full. You can read the transcript, etc., etc. I'm always conscious, like, when I'm reading through a press conference transcript that I'm kind of, like, reading it word for word, trying to not, you know, put the wrong message across with regards to anything Mikel Arteta said. But sometimes it doesn't all totally make sense. And I feel like the flow of the podcast is impacted a little bit by that. So apologies uh, for that. But anyway, look, we're going to take another really really, really, really short pause. And then uh, we're going to focus and home in on our opposition, West Ham United, who we face at the London Stadium on Wednesday night. Be just, uh, be back, I should say, in just a moment. 
Okay. Uh, what are you guys saying uh, in the live chat as well? Uh, Wandering Minstrel says he's hoping for no injuries. Yeah, you and me both, man. Um, Stubb says, uh, I think we'll start a similar lineup to the Sheffield United game. So uh, a strong team with a few changes, but having some core players uh, in the side, which means that the level doesn't drop off too dramatically. I think that's probably what Mikel Arteta is going to look to do. Uh, MM has a, a slightly different approach. Says, just chuck in the youth. There are just too many games. Cesar says it can also be a good thing because it keeps our whole squad on their toes. I assume he's talking about maybe going with a strong team and, and the number of games that we have. He says it's less likely for a sub to make an impact in a more important game. If they go out cold with minutes under their belts, they'll do better when, of course, called upon in some of those games. I think that's um, I think that's a good point. You know, you want players to be sharp, don't you? You want your fringe players to get minutes where possible so that, as you say, when they're called upon in big moments and you rely on them and you need them, it isn't them coming on cold. I think that's a great point. Henry says, I'll be there tomorrow, H. I'm sitting with the ex, uh, with the Essex boys, so I'll be sitting on my hands. Do you know what? Um, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. Um, and, uh, well, the, the bad news is um, I'm not going to be there. That's bad news for me. But the good news for me is that I get to roll off of my sofa about half an hour after the full-time whistle, walk down to the end of my garden, pop into my man cave and uh, jump online and record a podcast with you guys. So that's the good side of it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be there. And to be honest with you, I, um, I, I've been fighting it for like a good five, six days. I've been, I've been taking sort of cold and flu tablets knowing that I had something coming. My throat is a bit uh, rough this morning and I could do without screaming over a game of football um, on the Wednesday night, given that I've got work at the weekend as well. So yeah, um, I'm actually quite looking forward to sitting on my sofa and watching this one in the warm, not having to travel anywhere, not traveling in the rain and being able to do the podcast quite quickly after the full-time whistle. So um, enjoy it. Um, I don't know how you do it because I really struggle to sit um, with opposition fans. I, I did it a few times a few years ago um, when I couldn't get hold of tickets for love nor money in the away end. Um, but it was an awful experience for me personally. Some people can do it. I just feel like my emotion is written all over my face during a game. And I find it very, very hard to keep it sort of quiet. But what I will say is, look, when Arsenal are playing, the interest is is so big. And especially now that Arsenal are performing really, really well, you will not be, Henry, the only Aguna in uh, in the West Ham end. I am certain of that. I am absolutely certain of that. Uh, Damien Kelly says Declan Rice shouldn't play for fear of him picking up an injury with Thomas Partey out. Now, I agree with you that Declan Rice should be protected more in the absence of Thomas Partey because... The only reason we're getting by without Partey is because of Declan Rice. And as Mikel Arteta highlighted in his presser, you know, last season and the season before, we saw the effects of Thomas Partey being unavailable and the detrimental impact that that had on our team. And as I say, Declan Rice's signing has helped protect us against that. But if we were to lose him as well, then you're talking Jorginho um, in the midfield, but without that sort of dominant player alongside him to help out, you're talking about potentially Mohamed Elneny playing. Like all of a sudden, the level just drops, doesn't it? The level just drops. Uh, 
what else have we got? Uh, Halor says, um, wasn't there interest from Saudi for Thomas Partey? Still a possibility to cash in a decent amount. I don't think he really wanted to go there, to be honest with you. Um, you know, maybe uh, slightly further down the line in terms of his career. But I don't know, things with the Saudi Pro League, I'm finding it really difficult to read them. I know we're going off on a tangent. We are going to talk about West Ham in just a second, but I feel like I've got to make this point. When the Saudi Pro League went mad over the summer and everybody was buying up top-level players and players that weren't even necessarily at the back end of their careers in some cases, I thought, you know what? They're going to give this a real good go. They're going to give this a real good crack. And then you see some of the crowds that were turning up to sort of welcome some of these big-name players and you know, you 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 felt like there was a buzz around it. The season's begun. And all of a sudden, it feels very, like, underwhelming. Like, I thought we were going to see Saudi Pro League highlights everywhere. I thought that everywhere you turned, the Saudi Pro League was going to be in your face, that they were going to be trying to, you know, build its, uh, its profile and that they were going to be trying to get it out there as much as possible. And then I've seen sort of articles and videos and, and various pieces. And I know that there is a lot of ill feeling towards Saudi. And because of that, I feel like even if their league was was the greatest, which is nowhere near, by the way, but even if it was, I do get the impression that our media and other media would probably always want to paint it in a slightly more negative picture. And then there were comparisons made, as, as Rizo points out in the chat, with the Chinese Super League. But my opinion on that was the Saudis really do have the money to maintain this. And I don't see the Saudis introducing, you know, a, a homegrown rule or whatever it was that the Chinese Pro League did, which ultimately meant they could no longer go out and bring in these players from the con from Europe and other continents and all the rest of it. So I'm a little bit surprised that it feels like it's just flatlined a little bit. I've seen some videos of some games where the, the crowds were non-existent. And I did not expect that. I really, really didn't. Um, and I think that there will be players that have made that move now that do regret it. Might not say it publicly. And when they get their pay slip at the end of the month, end of the week, whatever, I'm sure they'll feel more than satisfied. But yeah, it's a little bit of a strange one, isn't it? How it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit when I thought that we were set for this big sort of focus and and big hoo-ha around the Saudi Pro League. But yeah, will Thomas Partey end up there? Possibly. Um, I don't think he will play there, though, um, in the uh, in the coming uh, couple of seasons, unless injuries continue to keep a grip of him and, and keep a hold of him and, and hold him back, essentially. But anyway, look, what we're here to do now is talk about the opposition that Arsenal face on Wednesday night. And that, of course, is West Ham United. So what are my thoughts on the Hammers? What are my thoughts on um, David Moyes' side? Let's uh, let's do that now. Look, you always know what you're going to get from a David Moyes side. You're going to get organisation. You're going to get hard work. You're going to get physicality. I don't think it's always pretty. Um, and West Ham fans, I'm sure, would be the first to admit that. But the context around this game, I think, is actually quite interesting. When you break it down, West Ham United won the Europa Conference League and all of a sudden the mood around the club completely changed, you know, towards the back end of the campaign. Um, the last campaign that is, it was look at West Ham's league position. It's not good enough. It's been a pretty underwhelming season after a great European run the season before uh, where they went to the Europa League semi-finals. 
And it got to a point where the majority of West Ham United fans, from what I could see, wanted a change, wanted David Moyes to move on and wanted things to be freshened up. They kind of knew that Declan Rice was going to leave in the summer. They knew that that would bring in funds. And I think there was a distrust from some fans towards David Moyes with regards to how that money was going to be reinvested and spent. And so, you know, it, it all sort of culminated in this kind of negativity around West Ham United. And then they started this season and they started it brilliantly. Three wins from their first four in the Premier League. Then came a couple of defeats. Defeats at the hands of Manchester City and Liverpool, which are, if we're being honest, to be expected. But since then, they've only managed one victory in the next four, which brings us up to the present day. There was a defeat in Piraeus the other night against uh, Olympiagos, um, which raised questions uh, around David Moyes' methods again and the style of football and the squad again. Um, then that was followed up by a really, really disappointing defeat at home to Everton on Sunday. And all of a sudden, that negativity around West Ham United feels like it's back. It feels like people are on David Moyes' back again. So we're either going to face a side on Wednesday that are low on confidence and who will, if they don't perform, have the entire London Stadium crowd on their backs because we know that that happens at West Ham. Or will come up against a side that are desperate to make amends, a side that will want to lift their game. And we'll look at this as a perfect occasion to try and do that because of all of the context around it and try and get themselves back on track. They've blown hot and cold this season. And it's really, really difficult to predict what we're going to face as a result of that. Are they going to have extra motivation? The crowd will certainly be even more up for it, I would suggest, because of the return of Declan Rice. Because although Arteta said in his press conference that he expects Declan Rice to get a nice reception, and I think he deserves a nice reception, when he made the move, there were a lot of salty West Ham fans online that were very, very critical of his decision to join us. And, you know, that that kind of felt hurt and betrayed by Declan Rice. So how is that going to transpire on the night in terms of the impact it has on the atmosphere? Difficult to say. And that's what makes this game a really tough one to predict. In terms of their biggest threats, you're talking Jared Bowen, six goals in all competitions this season. You're talking Lucas Paqueta, who's a very, very talented footballer. We didn't really see it last season, but he's grown into the role and I think settled down now in the Premier League and is playing some of his best football now. Thomas Suchek is back among the goals from midfield. He's got four in all competitions so far this season. Edson Alvarez, I think, has been very, very good in midfield. Um, and we know what Mikel Antonio is all about if he's on the pitch. So, you know, there is threat. There is added incentive for this West Ham United side. And we are coming up against the manager who does know how to organise sides and does understand that you don't always need to have a lot of the ball, which is something Arsenal are undoubtedly going to have at the London Stadium, but will focus in the build-up on efficiency at both ends of the park. So you'll have to forgive me, but if we are going to rotate heavily, which I think we just might, I'm not massively confident about this one because of all of those factors that I've just mentioned. Let's go over to the live chat and see what you guys uh, are saying as well. Um, just going back to the point I made a little bit earlier on, Canterbury Gunnar says, there'll be plenty of Arsenal fans in the home end tomorrow. Yes, there will. Um, Canterbury Gunnar also says, do you think Odegaard might start tomorrow as he was rested on the weekend? I'll share with you guys 
my lineup, the lineup that I would go with a, a little bit later on. In terms of Odegaard and my prediction with regards to Odegaard, do I think he will start because he was rested at the weekend? Possibly. Um, quite possibly. But it depends on the extent of this issue that he's been suffering from. Because from Saturday to Wednesday is not a big window. So if he was rested because he needed to be rested at the weekend, then, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that you're going to get the same result that you would get if you leave him off for a whole week, as opposed to if you throw him into a game that I expect to be quite physical, quite combative and quite competitive. What I will say is if you go back a few seasons ago, when Martin Odegaard first arrived at the club, West Ham away was probably his best performance around that period um, in an Arsenal shirt. I think that we should probably leave Martin Odegaard out from the start if there is any question mark or any doubt around uh, the, the injury, the problem that he is carrying. OK, um, I think it's time for me to share with you guys uh, my lineup. But hold on, let me take a couple more uh, of your uh, comments here. Um, Costandinos says, uh, I really want to see Rambo back in goal. Uh, Rizo says that we should start Odegaard fresh uh, against Newcastle. Uh, G. Abe says, sit Rice and Saliba out. And Afsar says, moon the likes. Yeah, make sure you do it. What are you waiting for? Hit the like button if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. And just a quick plug once more. Uh, for yesterday's uh, brand new show that we started on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, um, the debrief, where we looked back on uh, all the weekend's big stories uh, through an Arsenal lens, of course, but we tend to just jump around and speak about other things as well. And we're going to be doing that weekly uh, off the back of your positive feedback. So a big thank you uh, to you guys for that. But anyway, um, let's do then my starting lineup. Now, remember, this is the starting lineup I would pick, not necessarily the one that I predict. Mikel Arteta is going to pick. So uh, feel free to pull this apart right after this. Okay, so here is my starting 11. Now, I know it's a bit weak in certain areas. Um, and I know I've taken a gamble that a few of you in the live chat would not take, uh, judging by some of your comments uh, throughout the program so far. Ramsdale would return in goal for me. Um, you know, I think he deserves that opportunity. I don't think Raya's been amazing. Um, I think that Raya had exactly the type of game that he needed at the weekend uh, against Sheffield United, a very easy one, a very comfortable one, and one in which he could just kind of go under the radar, which is what needed to happen, given the sort of noise around uh, the decision to to sort of move him ahead of Aaron Ramsdale in the pecking order. Across the defence, I've gone with White, Tommy Asu, and Gabriel at centre-back with Kivior at left-back. few reasons for this. Um, I think that this defence worked well uh, when we played Brentford away in the Cup. I thought Tommy Asu had a great game at centre-back. And that means that William Saliba can have a rest. Gabriel, I would bring back into the team because, A, I think he's physically very robust. So I don't worry about him in the way that I worry about some of our other players when it comes to a physical game. But also, he had a rest on Saturday. I think maybe uh, part of the plan was to give one arrest at the weekend and one arrest uh, on Wednesday night. So Gabriel and Tomiyasu at centre-back for me. Kivior would come in at left-back and uh, Ben White would play at right-back. Again, I know that White played at the weekend. Um, 
you know, again, another player that we keep getting told can play through injuries, can play through niggles, can play through problems. As for the other side, Jakub Kivior, yeah, he started at the weekend, but he hasn't played a lot of football lately. So he should be fit enough and ready to go again just a few days later. Moving into midfield, I've put Jorginho in there. I've put Declan Rice in there just because I don't think we can afford to weaken it anymore in Thomas Partey's absence. Not at a place like this, not against a physical uh, West Ham midfield. And Declan Rice, as much as we want to protect him and wrap him up in cotton wool, he will be chomping at the bits playing this game. He really, really will. He will so badly want to be involved in this one. And then I've gone with Kai Havertz as the third midfielder. I said that I probably wouldn't push or risk Martin Odegaard um, if there is any concern about the injury that he's carrying. Happy for him to come off the bench if we need him and all the rest of it. But I probably wouldn't start him. And I think Havertz has done OK in that role, playing as the right-sided eight rather than the left-sided eight. I think it suits him a little bit more. Plus, Havertz has got that physical profile that I think we could really do with in a game like this against Land of the Giants FC, West Ham United. So for me, that's the midfield, Jorginho, Rice and Havertz. I'd go with Trossard from the left, you know, again, came on and had a good impact at the weekend. And Ketia would continue down the middle, fresh off the back of his hat-trick. And then I had to think about the right-hand side. There's a part of me that thinks that because Bukayo Saka missed the Man City game and then had the international break, that he should be able to play in this one. There's a part of me that thinks he needs to play his way back into the kind of form that we've seen over the last 12 months. So there was a temptation in my mind to put Bukayo Saka in this, but I think they're just going to kick lumps out of him. I think that he's going to get that treatment that Bukayo Saka always bloody gets. And um, and so for me, I think I'd take him out and I'd put Fabio Vieira there. Thought about Reese Nelson. I just don't think Mikel Arteta really likes the idea of Nelson from the right-hand side. I don't really like the idea of Nelson from the right-hand side. The other thing that crossed my mind was Trossard on the right, Emil Smith-Rowe on the left. But then Emil Smith-Rowe made his first start in, what, 500 days the other day or something in the Premier League. Um, you know, is he going to have enough in the tank to start another game a few days later? So that's a big question mark. He was one of the players that I probably would bring in um, to this side if possible. But again, you know, you've got to manage his fitness. You know, we've had problems with him over the years. So, um, yeah, that he was one of the ones that was on the cusp of, of missing out. Uh, sorry, the cusp of being in this team for me. Again, this is my team. The other thing that I thought about, I have to say, and you are going to absolutely slaughter me for this, and I'm not winding you up, I promise. I thought about the idea of Cedric playing at right back and giving Ben White a rest as well. But then you think about what West Ham have in those wide areas and how they're going to try and attack you. And I think you're almost sort of giving Tommy Asu, uh, you know, too much to do if you put Cedric Suarez alongside him there. So, um, yeah, that's the team that in the end I settled on. Um, but I would accept arguments for Saka in the side. I would accept arguments for um, Declan Rice not to play, although I don't think personally that's the way to go in this one. I would accept arguments for Reese Nelson or Emil Smith-Rowe being in the starting eleven. I think Martinelli and Saka are so important to us. I just want to protect them. I just want to protect them. And maybe that's me being overprotective and not really paying this game um, the respect that it deserves. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think in the chat box. Let's see uh, what you guys uh, have got here. Um, Canterbury Guna says, uh, I would put Emil Smith-Rowe in for Rice. Do you not think that's a bit too attack-minded, though? Jorginho would be left quite a bit, wouldn't he, to his own devices at the base of that midfield if he had Smith-Rowe 
and um and uh and sort of Havertz in the midfield with him. Uh he says I would start um by putting uh, t- I would swap sorry Tommy and Kivior's positions. I think Tommy Asu did a great job at centre back at Brentford. I think he is a centre back really by trade. That's what he arrived at Arsenal Football Club as. So I have no concerns about him playing in that position. But then again, but then I think if you swap them, which Mikel Arteta could do, you know, Tommy Asu's comfortable at playing left back, and we've seen Kivior play um, on the right side of the defence before, alongside Gabriel in in Saliba's absence. It's not a wild thing uh, that you're suggesting. I think it's it's a valid point. I just that's the way I would do it personally. Um, Boston says Deckers needs a rest for the Newcastle game. Um, Ansa says, I hear Arteta confirmed Odegaard is out and Rice is in. He didn't. He didn't confirm anything like that. He said that he was going to see with Odegaard, they were going to decide. And he said that with Rice, he could be involved. He didn't give away anything as he never does when it comes to team selection. So um, that's that's not correct. Um Halor says, what about players like Emil Smith-Rowe, Reese Nelson or Elneny? Aren't they starting material even in a match like this? <sighs> yeah, um, they are, I guess. I just... <sighs> then I'm going to leave Trossard out or I'm going to leave Vieira out. and I, I, It's a really, really difficult one. It's a really, really difficult one. This is the team I would go with, just to reiterate for those of you listening on audio. Ramsdale in goal, White, Tomiyasu, Gabriel and Kivior would be my back four. My midfield three would be Jorginho, Rice and Havertz with Vieira, Trossard on either flank and Enketia through the middle. I just think that this is the team that I would go with. I accept that there are some good debates and some good arguments and I'm not even, a, like, I look at this team, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, uh, have I got that right? Am I sure? Is that what I would really do? I actually think that Saka will probably play. I think that Odegaard might play. I think that Mikel Arteta might just surprise us by going that little bit stronger than um, than what we're expecting. Um, Success and Work um, says uh, Havertz up front. I would consider that. I just think that because Eddie's fresh off the back of a hat-trick, I think he'll play. And when you look at his minutes lately, let's in fact, let's do it. Let me have a quick look at his minutes. Um, he also goes on to say, why would you play in Ketia? We may need him versus Newcastle. You could play Havertz up front against Newcastle. Um, do you see what I'm trying to say? Like, I, I don't think there's that much in it between them. And Ketia had a good day on Saturday, obviously. But let, let's have a look at his minutes in the Premier League so far this season, right? Eddie and Ketia. He played 90 against Sheffield United. But before that, at Chelsea, he only played 22. He played 75 against City, 69 against Bournemouth. He played the full 90 against Spurs, but you go back to the Everton away game 66. He hasn't played that many minutes over the course of the season. Not not to the point or to the level where I'd look at him and go, oh, you know what? You need a break or you need a rest. I just don't feel like that about Eddie at this moment in time. I think he's someone that actually benefits from playing and, and benefits from being able to find that bit of rhythm. You think about the minutes he's had in the Champions League as well, if you want to throw that into the mix. Zero at home to PSV Eindhoven. Um, Ten against Lons and nine out in Seville. So he's not exactly burnt out, is he? Which is why I would continue, because I think he's a confidence player. I would continue with him because I think it would benefit him more if he was to play and play well. 
because it would build on that momentum that he's he's found and discovered off the back of scoring that hat-trick. And I think when you're really, really confident, which he will be at this moment in time, which is good for us, which is what we need him to be, I think leaving him out of the team, albeit in a League Cup game and a game that isn't seen as a priority, it might have a, a negative impact. I don't know. I don't know. Um, a couple of you suggesting Emil Smith-Rowe uh, coming in for Declan Rice. Look, I would, in an ideal world, prefer not to see Declan Rice play. As I said to you before, I want to see him wrapped up in cotton wool and put away <laughs> in the cupboard, locked away, leave him there. Not, not in a literal cupboard, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to take risks with him. But I just looked at all the other options without him and without Thomas Partey as well and without Jurian Timber that could, um, you know, have come into midfield had he been fit and available. I think about the idea of Zinchenko, who people keep saying to me should be considered as a midfield option. He has never played there in terms of as a starting position for Arsenal since he arrived at the football club. That tells you what you need to know about Arteta's view on that. But also the guy's ankles are made of marshmallow. Like, so I don't want to risk him either. And like, I know there will be certain players that you see as more important, but you've also got to judge each player on their ability to stay fit and how physical they are in terms of, you know, being able to withstand a, a big number of games. Some people have a higher threshold than others. Declan Rice, I don't want to jinx it. Touch wood. I'm touching wood as I say it. Declan Rice is one of those players that can manage a slightly bigger workload than most. And when Thomas Partey is back fit and available, if you want to leave him out and give him a breather, by all means do it. But if Mikel Arteta is serious about this competition, as he's been telling us all morning, then to leave Declan Rice out would be, I don't know, it, it would go against that. It would send a different message, in my opinion. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. OK, um, we're going to take some of your questions from the live chat before we finish off. Uh, don't go uh, anywhere. Uh, plenty more Arsenal chat to come. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new as well. It really, really does help. Also, subscribe on the audio platforms as well. Um, you can find all our content there too. Um, and uh, yeah, leave us a review if you're listening on Apple, on Spotify, all the rest of it. Check out yesterday's episode, the first episode of the Debrief, a new content strand that we're bringing you here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. So do uh, go back, have a look at that. Any feedback is, of course, welcome. We're going to take a really, really short break and then it'll be your questions, your comments from the live chat. So start filling it up. Ah, you made me doubt my team selection now. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, eh, is that too strong or is it too weak? It's certainly not too strong. If anything, it's too weak, I think. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, Trevor brings up a point uh, in the chat box where he says, uh, Arteta's thinking of letting Ramsdale go at the end of the season. I've had no information that that is even a consideration at this moment in time. If there is unhappiness, it's not on Mikel Arteta's part. It's the other way around, it would be that Aaron Ramsdale would be wanting to consider his future because he believes that he deserves to be the number one somewhere. And I agree with him. Um, but also, this is one of those narratives that is just going to keep on going until Aaron Ramsdale 
if Aaron Ramsdale finds his way back into the side as number one. And for me, I think I said it the other day, we got to stop giving oxygen to it. We got to stop giving it airtime. It's hard because when David Raya doesn't perform, the first thing you want to chat about and the first thing you think about, especially if you're a Ramsdale supporter, the first thing you want to you want to talk about is that. But we're almost playing into the hands of those that want to make a big song and dance about this, that want to create a narrative around it, that want to keep hammering it home because it brings clicks and it brings interaction and all the rest of it. I don't think that Mikel Arteta will want to let Aaron Ramsdale go at this stage. He might be helpless to the situation come the summer. But at this moment in time, I think we're good. I think we're fine. I think Aaron Ramsdale will be working hard behind the scenes, trying to force his way back into the team. And uh, and as Arsene Wenger said the other day when he was working on uh, being sports, if I were Aaron Ramsdale, I wouldn't be giving up just yet. Okay, uh, thank you to Matthew, who says that the debrief was good. Thanks a lot, mate. I, I don't know if next time, and again, let me know your thoughts on this. So just going off on a tangent again, very quickly. Do you think um, that instead of like going across loads of different leagues or whatever, we just pick like three or four big stories? Because not every week will we have as many as we did this week, because, um, you know, of course, it was a special week. We had the Classico, we had... Uh, Napoli, Milan, we had uh, Inter Roma, we had all of those games. And then we had that incident in France, which hopefully doesn't bloody happen every week. So we had quite a lot to discuss this week. But I think going forward, what we should probably do, if you agree, let me know. If you disagree, also let me know on the debrief is maybe just highlight the three that we think are the best in terms of the most interesting and go into those in a little bit more depth rather than trying to cover every single base and just doing it a little bit rushed. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, Canterbury Gunnar says, do you think the Hammers will go strong tomorrow night, especially after losing to Everton? I do. Um, David Moyes has tended to make changes in cup competitions. He has tended to rotate certain players. But given the context around this game, which we discussed a little bit earlier on in the show, and where they find themselves and the fact that he kind of needs a result to get everybody off his back, I think um, I think he will go strong because he will see this as a game that could potentially get their season back on track. So uh, yeah, I think um, I think you will see a strong side. Okay, uh, what else have we got? Uh, DJ Wells says, "Do you get told off by BBC London uh, over your commentary on Arsenal games for being biased?" And as an Arsenal fan, um, I would have reacted just like you did with Nelson's goal last season. <laughs> Um, no, I don't. Um, I don't because obviously we're a London based station. So we, uh, we cover the London clubs. I think if I did it in a game between two London clubs, then I'm sort of walking a bit more of a, of a tightrope in terms of, you know, the two sides of what I can and can't get away with. Everybody knows I'm an Arsenal fan. You know, one of the reasons I cover Arsenal for them is because I am an Arsenal fan. And so I follow the club closer than anybody closely, more closely than most other people would, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's that adva- there's the advantage to that. When Arsenal are playing a non-London club, it is not an issue to be a little bit um, biased. You know, it'll be the same if QPR score a goal against Leeds in the championship. It would be the same if West Ham scored against Aston Villa. That's just, the, you know, it's local radio. So that's not an issue. Um, but obviously... 
it's hard for me because I can't hide the fact that I'm an Arsenal fan and nor would I want to. But where I do struggle a little bit is where I'm sort of trying to do more and more commentary. I have to... Look, I don't have a problem with this. Once I start a game, I'm in the zone and I'm able to to do it the way it should be done. And I'm confident in my ability to do that. I did Luton against Tottenham the other week. And I thought, listening back to it, that I was very neutral, very respectful to both sides. And I thought I did a, a pretty good job of it. The problem I have is, is changing people's perception of me, you know. And, and so I'm muddling my words a little bit here. The problem I have is being able to convince people before I do the job that I can do it from a neutral point of view and that I can operate as a commentator and block that stuff out for 90 minutes. It's about convincing people that I can do it before I do the job because once I start, I am so confident that I can do it professionally and well enough. But it's, yeah, it, I feel like at some point it's going to be a problem for me and I'm going to have to find a way of navigating it as best as possible. That's one side of how I see it. The other side is, though, is like, well, look at Gary Neville, look at Jamie Carragher. They're on commentaries and they are as biased as anything. So it's, it's kind of hard. It is a hard balance to find, I think. And that is one of my worries because obviously so much of my work is, um, you know, you know, so much of my work is covering the Arsenal, this podcast, doing Arsenal on TalkSport, doing Arsenal on whatever other platform, like it's impossible for me to de-affiliate with Arsenal. And why would I ever want to? Like, I don't, you know, it's my bread and butter. But if you want to be a commentator, you you have to at least convince the people that are assigning the commentators that you're able to do a professional job. And listen, people will be critical before I start a game because of what I am, who I am. But it's on me to then prove that I can do it well. And I will, um, if given the opportunity, of course. Uh, uh, Tom says, yep, going back to the debrief, it'll be good just to pick whatever the most interesting slash crazy news of the weekend is across all the leagues. Yeah, I think we'll we'll pick out one point uh, from, we'll pick out something from the Premier League because, you know, we're here. It affects Arsenal. Um, I'll always lean towards Serie A because I know more about it than I do some of the other European leagues. But yeah, we'll always look for the best stories. Okay, I think... I'm going to leave it there. I have to share with you guys my prediction before uh, we go. Uh, thank you for tuning in as always. You're not going to like this. You're not going to like this. Look, I just think about the rotational element. The fact that we're away from home concerns me. I was a little bit concerned about the trip to Brentford and we're up against a much better side, I think, in West Ham United in terms of what their ceiling is like because of the players that they've got. Um. I think the fact that West Ham are on a difficult run works against us. I think the fact that we've got Declan Rice among our ranks works against us in terms of their motivation. I think we could get beat 1-0. I really, really do. I hate to say it. I never want to predict Arsenal defeats and I shouldn't given you know what Arsenal have done in recent years and how good they've been and the improvement they've made. But I just... I see West Ham nicking this by a goal to nil. I'm sorry to say. That's my prediction. Anyway, leave yours in the comments below. Uh, I'm going to head off before you all come at me for that. And I'll see you all tomorrow night after the game where we're going to break the game down. Looking forward to a late night edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Like, subscribe, share, all the rest of it. I'll see you all soon. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>